Afroverdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Don't we all love sports? Hello and welcome to this episode of the Afroverdict podcast, where we focus on the current 2023 BRICS Games. Hosted by South Africa, the 2023 edition of the Games is a thrilling showcase of sporting excellence, cultural diversity, and international camaraderie. In this episode, we're going to talk about the preparations and the challenges faced by the host nation, as well as the participating countries. We'll also discuss the sports that will be featured in the competition and the place of indigenous sports in the world and in this event as well. On October the 18th, the first day of the BRICS Games, I spoke to Ms. Sumaya Khan, Deputy Director General of the Recreation Development and Sport Promotion Program of the South African Department of Sports, Arts and Culture. As we looked at what we can expect in the 2023 BRICS Games and how it continues to play a vital role in uniting these five nations through the power of sports. Musumaya Khan, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Good morning, Victor. I think I'm fine. <laughs> All right. So first off, congratulations with the BRICS Games officially starting. Uh, I'm sure it'll be an amazing event, to be honest, for viewers and participants alike. Tell me what makes the 2023 BRICS Games stand out from other BRICS sporting events? Um, you know, um, the BRICS Games are government-led games. So it's the governments of the BRICS partners that have agreed to hosting these games. So um, the fact that it is government-led uh there is a very very uh, uh, uh decisive agenda for BRICS. so aligned to that the greeks BRICS games also serves to add on to that agenda of making sure that it promotes friendship it promotes unity um you know and the fact that um People can come together, participate in sport, show their skills. It's an opportunity for our developing talent uh, to 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 network with the their partners in the BRICS uh, countries as well. But if we look at the 2023, you know, BRICS Games, um, they stand out from others because of the fact that, you know, um, they are developmental in nature for one. Um, and uh, the fact that for the first time we're looking at disability sport being included in the agenda, um, and also it's the first time we have structured it in such a way that it fo- it resembles any multi-coded event uh, based on the rules and the format of the games. Excellent. No, that's great. Can you provide us with an update on the current state of preparations for the games? Okay. Now, thanks. Um, the games have started. Today's day one of the games. We've had many, many months of putting together, you know, our various uh, structures in place, the organizing committee, the project team, uh, liaison with all of our sports federations that are part of the BRICS games. Um you know, and then identifying our athletes in our teams and also providing information to our BRICS partners about what's going to happen during the games. So all of that preparations have now led to the fact that here we are. We've had quite a fantastic opening ceremony yesterday uh, that showcased, you know, South Africa and the culture that we we have in our country. 
Um, and I think, you know, the energy in the, that opening ceremony has really set the scene now for the start of the Games. So all of our venues are ready. Uh, we are based in Durban, which is a city within the province of KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. It's a coastal city. Um, all of our athletes are actually uh, uh, located in the accommodation along the coast as well. There's easy access to all of the facilities. Um, you know, so basically many, many of our operations and logistics um, are all uh, in place. How are you engaging with local communities to promote these games and encourage supporters, encourage the local populace to attend them? Okay. I think firstly, there we have a communication strategy. We have been communicating the uh, the games for a while, you know, so everybody is aware that the BRICS Games is taking place in KwaZulu-Natal. Um, and by way of our media platforms, we have indicated that there will be no entry fee, so people are free to attend. And then also there is a, a structured mobilization campaign to get our communities who are on the outlying areas of, of Durban uh, to get them to the Games as well, so that they have an opportunity to see the talent, to see our teams from the different countries participate, and also to provide learning opportunities where schools can come through with their young learners. Great. In the previous answer, you mentioned logistics. Uh, what role exactly is the Department of Sports, Arts and Culture playing in managing the logistics of the BRICS Games? Because I can imagine that it's you know it's a pretty complicated process process, uh, organizing the logistics yes. to get all the teams from all these countries to arrive in South Africa safely and all of that? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, well, um, the National Department of Sport, Arts and Culture is leading in terms of the organization of the Games, but obviously we cannot do this on our own. Uh, we have, because it's based in a city and in a province, um, we actually engage with, we've engaged with the province of KwaZulu-Natal through the office of the premier, through the provincial department of sport, arts and culture, uh, through the city of Durban, the municipality. Um, over and above that, we've set up a, an LOC, a local organizing committee. And, uh, through our sports structures, we've appointed, you know, a project, a chairperson and a project manager. So, you know, all those governance structures are in place. And then we've had also all of our sports federations um, uh, partnering or being part of this, who are, who've developed the games manual, which, which gives you the playing conditions. And, and, and um, there are various commissions within the local organizing committee that deal with the various facets of the game. So we've had a game services commissions that are dealing with um, all the rules, all the um, the logistics, all the infrastructure needs. We have a team that deals with safety, security. We've got a team that was dealing with all the ceremonies. We have an accommodation team uh, that is in place, um, you know, the catering team. So, Various uh, committees have been put together um, that support us, but the government, the national government, is leading on this, and all of the us, all of all the other partners have come together to ensure that we have the necessary expertise to deliver on a very successful games. Great work. I mean, sounds like you've done a really, really good job. How many people do you expect to attend the games? Well, in terms of participation, I think. Um, 
the um, the number of participants is very uh, specific. There are five codes of sport, and each of them have been given a specific number in terms of their delegation. So your your team delegations are very spe specific. So there's not more than two hundred per team in different codes of sport. Um, and then in terms of attendance, we're not able to. I can't say to you we're expecting, but the capacity within each of those facilities uh, lends itself to about 1,000 to 1,500 to 2,000 people at any given time. Um, we have we have events that are outdoor events, like we have beach volleyball. Obviously, that lends itself to more people. And so uh, it is a very busy environment. Uh, the event is taking place on a, on the very popular North Beach of Pazulna, of Durban. So you you would have people readily even coming through um, whilst they do other activities on the beach. But we do know we have a very strong um, uh, uh, support um, and a fan base of uh, beach volleyball in Durban itself. So already from the opening ceremony, you could see that interest part, interested parties will make themselves available and they will be in attendance. Oh, I've actually been to the North Beach in Durban. It's a really, really nice spot. It's called Minitown or something like that. I can't really recall, but it's a wonderful place. Uh, I've been to that small ice skating rink there uh, back when I was still a child, bring back some really good memories. Uh, you mentioned the security. How will South Africa ensure safety and security during the event? Well, you know, we've got a, um, a, a committee, a security cluster committee that's in place. Um, and um, that is actually led by very, very high ranking officials in that cluster made up of the uh, South African police services. It's made up of uh, teams from the city's uh, um, security services, the province security services. Uh, we have the medical uh, fraternity uh, representatives on security cluster as well. So if you look at, and then there's, in addition to that, there's also private security that have been uh, procured uh, at all of the venues and also around the area where all of our um, um, athletes and the contingents are based. So I think um, um, so. Any 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 major event, you know, in South Africa um, or any major event in any country. I think security is of uh, uh, of uh, paramount importance. So we've not taken it lightly. So um, definitely we uh, we have all the systems in place to ensure that, you know, that the games are, um, are safe and that everyone who participates in the games are safe as well. Um, and we have been communicating, sorry, sorry, we've been, we've been communicating with the provinces, you know, um, the agencies that we have, and also, you know, people behavior, because yes, we can say it's, we, we cannot, we cannot guarantee that everyone, every single person would be absolutely safe. Uh, in any country that you go to, there is that element of risk. So we have given communications to everyone that it's important that everyone also needs to act responsibly and ensure that there is safety for themselves and also for their teams. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think judging from the BRICS summit, 
South Africa did a really, really good job in the security sector. I wasn't there myself, unfortunately, but my colleagues uh, went there and they said that it was outstanding, really. So I think this time around, South Africa won't fail either. I think they'll do a good job. I'm pretty sure you've heard that Russian and Belarusian athletes have been banned by the international community from participating under their country's respective flags. What is your opinion on the role that politics have in sports? I think with this, with the games, our focus is actually on bringing the BRICS nations together through the friendship that the games. Um, we don't want to focus on the politics. Yes, it will come up at some point or other. But for us at these games, our focus is very much on making sure that we promote the elements of sport that we see whenever we participate, the fact of uniting us as a nation, um, the issue of friendship, the issue of camaraderie. Uh, so that that is our focus, um, you know, particularly on uh, in the BRICS agenda in terms of sport. Um, yes, there are um, the uh, there are politics around sport. Um, uh, there are human rights issues around sport. But I think our focus is very much on the the issues that unite us more than those that divide us. No, you know, I totally agree with you. Is there any specific action within the BRICS games that will create unity between different cultural backgrounds? You know, if you look at the teams, I mean, if you look at South Africa, we're a very diverse uh, country. We have different race groups. We have different cultures. And it's just amazing to see that Team South Africa is representative of the diversity of our country. Um, and all of the other countries, I mean, already when you could see, if you look, if you go into the social media platforms, you'll already be able to see how quickly in such a short space of time, all the teams have started to uh, interact with each other, appreciating, you know, the different cultures. If you look at Team South Africa coming into the venue last night, uh, they've had this whole activation of singing and dancing um, and bringing in all the other countries, you know, to join them in. So immediately, it didn't, you know, there was no wasting of time. They could immediately use every opportunity to say, come along, everyone. We're all in this together. So let us celebrate, you know, all of us as human beings. Let us celebrate ourselves as sports people. And yes, yes, let us showcase the talent that we have so that at the same time we can learn from each other. So I think the spirit in which we started last night with the opening ceremony really bodes well uh, for the rest of the games. And I do know that, you know, historically, when we look at any of our other games, the legacies of these games, of people interacting with each other, of making friends, of continuing these relationships has always been uh, there. So we're hoping that the BRICS games, a similar um, exercise will will follow. But obviously we're also um, the BRICS um, uh, nations um, and this uh, relationship uh, will sustain itself um, over the time that BRICS is in um, in operation. And obviously, you know, with all the um, information and all the outcomes of the BRICS summit, uh, we are set to grow.
For those of you who joined just now or lost track of what's going on, I'm speaking to Ms. Sumaya Khan, the Deputy Director General of the Recreation Development and Sports Promotion Program of the South African Department of Sports, Arts and Culture. Uh, we are busy discussing the ongoing 2023 BRICS Games that are taking place in Durban, South Africa. So we spoke now about the general organization of the BRICS Games, including the various organizing committees, security factors, and the like. By the way, the BRICS Games are featuring five sports, namely swimming, tennis, table tennis, badminton, and beach volleyball. Uh, quite interesting, by the way, that there are five BRICS countries at the moment and five codes of sport. I wonder why the choice actually fell on these you know, relatively unpopular sports in comparison to, say, football or basketball, of course. Also, as any sports, the main goal thereof is for healthy competition and unity. Let's see if the 2023 BRICS Games actually stand for the same values. Sumaya, you know, the leading factor why I enjoy sports is not for the competition or for the sports itself. Uh, It's that exactly like you said, that unity that the sport creates between people. And in fact, no matter their race group or cultural background, it's something really to admire. Are there any plans to involve athletes and teams from non-BRICS countries? Well, I, I would believe that going forward, going forward, yes, uh, Russia is the next host of the games, um, and given the fact that um, um, already, you know, there's been at the BRICS summit. If you're going to grow the BRICS itself to include other countries, then obviously it's something you would need to look at. I know that in our own planning, as we were looking at planning, we were also looking at within the continent as we hosted this event. Um, let's see how we invite other um, countries within Africa to be part of this. Um, unfortunately, the logistics didn't allow for us to do it in this edition. But I think in future editions, you know, we have very strong ties with the African Union and the African Sports Council Region 5. We are very active members of uh, uh, the regional uh, um, council. So, um, and I know that, you know, uh, the benefit will be enormous, not only for South Africa and the, um, itself, but also for our partners in the continent. Um, but going forward, we look forward to, you know, the, what the expanded BRICS may be. Yeah, yeah, no, that's quite unfortunate. But, you know, rather late than never. I think if the BRICS games were to include more teams from various organizations or non-BRICS countries, it would just emphasize that unity that the BRICS in general stands for. But hopefully in the future, we will see that coming. Yeah, no, definitely. There's great interest. Yeah, yeah no, and that's a good thing. Uh, that's a good sign that other countries, or other actors are interested in participation. Tell me, how will the BRICS Games benefit the economy of South Africa? Okay, um, you know, I think uh, importantly, any major, any, any international major event, you know, it helps in uh, profiling and reaffirming South Africa as a destination of choice. Um, also, you know, uh, it will con- because it con- contributes to sports tourism. Any any major event. You know, there's a following of people who want to see their teams participate. So they would come, they would follow, they want to be spectators at the event. And at the same time, it grows our economy because there's accommodation and all other related costs that people spend money on. 
So I think, uh, importantly, you know, the visitors that come here spend their, their foreign currency, grow our economy. And South Africa is a very warm and hospitable country. So I think, you know, this these games present an opportunity uh, for us, you know, to actually uh, showcase um, the many, many uh, beautiful things we have in the country. Um, you know, we've got the beaches, we've got the um, the game parks, we've got the beautiful mountains, um, we have heritage sites, you know, and our history presents itself in many forms in South Africa for many, many people to enjoy and to learn. So I think, you know, all in all, it's a, it's very beneficial hosting any major event in a country. Yeah, definitely. And I think the fact that it's sport, right? So, for example, the BRICS Summit was rather a political event. So you wouldn't see as many ordinary people visiting South Africa. Yes. But the BRICS Games is something for the ordinary person to come and see. And through that, you can experience the rich historical and cultural side of South Africa. And I think it's a very, very good initiative. Speaking of which, how would the South African government want the country to be remembered after hosting the BRICS Games? I think, you know, I've spoken about the warmth, I've spoken about the hospitality, um, and also, you know, the fact that it's the first time that we're offering codes of sport for people with disabilities. Uh, it's something that we know to be taken forward. Yes, we're offering it to two codes of sport in tennis. There's wheelchair tennis and there's para table, table tennis. Our um, para athletes, our athletes with uh, physical disabilities are participating in it. But the other codes of sport also lend itself to disabilities. I mean, we focused on five codes of sport. In future games, hopefully the other countries can grow it uh, they would offer more codes of sport and hence, you know, open it to more athletes with disabilities. So I think that's something we want uh, to be remembered that it started here, uh, disability sport. Also, the fact that, you know, the format of the game is we're using the multi-coded uh, events format. It's like you would run a, a youth games, a Commonwealth youth games or an Olympic Games, or, a, you know, an Olympic Youth Games. So we're using that multi-coded sport format that could perhaps um, um, be improved and, um, you know, refined as we move forward. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you, why were these specific five sports chosen for the BRICS Games? I think, you know, the important thing is, you know, we've um, we've had to look at timing, we've had to look at team sizes, um, as well. Um, and also, you know, we, you always get, I mean, as I've indicated, it's friendship games. So we've always had in the past, we've had football and netball, I mean, volleyball and others that we've seen, uh, in the games. And so in this edition of Briggs Games, we believed we needed to also give an opportunity to codes of sport that all the BRICS countries participate in uh, fully. Um, so that was the one consideration. And also to give an opportunity to those codes of sport that may not always get prominence in other events. Yes, 
they are part of Olympics. They might, but I know there's there's always a focus on almost what I can call the big five, your athletics, your football, your rugby's, etc. So the focus was on giving an opportunity to other codes of sport. So um, I think in discussion with our structures in sport, we then decided let's focus on the sports codes of sports, firstly, that all BRICS countries can participate in. Um, we've also tried to look at maybe indigenous games, but we did say that um, obviously different countries have different games. So maybe we would look at, for this edition of our games, we would look at locally showcasing as exhibition some of our indigenous games as well. But we will do it through the um, the events that we have already in terms of the closing ceremony, etc., where we can showcase some of our indigenous games. So, so that was a consideration. Mm-hmm. Could you name some examples of these South African indigenous games? Okay. Firstly, we have uh, what we call... Um, um, in Tonga, which is a, a game of stick, it's stick fighting. Uh, we have what we call, uh, we have, um, uh, Kati, which is a rope skipping game. We have Muraba Raba, which is a, a board game. Uh, we have in Chuva, um, you know, we call it by different names, but when we go around the country or internationally, you find these games taking place, but they're called by different names. So in Chuva is this game. Also, you play it at the table. You have a specific, um, I know in, in, there's an English name for it somewhere. I don't know what it is. I can just explain that, you know, they have these little balls that you put into little holes. Um, so uh, that is... Um, um, uh, so one of the games we've also uh, have a game called Coco, which is you know a tag game. We have Dibeki, which is a tag game. Uh, we have um, there's nine. We have a South African uh, game called Yuxke. Uh We have also Dristokis, a South African game. Um, Coco, which we have. Um, 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 uh, learned from uh, from India. It's a code of sport that's uh, big in India, and we have a population of Indians in South Africa who played it. So that is also offered um, as one of the indigenous games that we have in South Africa. Oh, fantastic. And I like the fact that South Africa's diverse culture includes games from different BRICS countries as is. So that's another point of unity, so to say. You know, um, I schooled in South Africa, but yeah. I don't know most of the games that you listed, except for Dristokis and another one. I forgot what it's called, but it's the one with the skipping rope. I've heard of that at least. Uh, but in my youth, you know, I only played rugby for a short while. And <laughs> shortly after that, I switched to football and became a big fan. You know, it's, yeah, I think the whole idea for us to include the indigenous games, I mean, these are games that every child may have played in, you know, during their childhood. I mean, all of us had, you know, all of us played a game of stinging. You know, you everybody gets to the middle, you're throwing the ball, you try and dodge the ball, dodge ball. It's a similar thing. So we're trying to revive that because it's a form of keeping people active. Um, you know, we do not have a dance of facilities everywhere. And our focus is also on mass participation and promoting active and healthy lifestyles. So if an activity can take place anywhere, 
but it can make you, it can actually keep you active. It can get you jumping, running, skipping, whatever it is. Then we must promote it. So this revival of Indigenous Games started in 2001, and it's grown in leaps and bounds. We have nine provinces who have their own, you know, provincial games, and we have a national games festival every year. And it's such a beautiful, um, you know, occasion where we bring in also our Indigenous cultures, our music, our crafts. Um, so it's a platform where we showcase, you know, uh, South Africa's Indigenous indigenous knowledge, Indigenous um food, um, so a whole host of things. So Maya, last question quickly, what teams will you be supporting? You know, with the host country, with the host country, we can't be biased, I mean, South African, but I think importantly, you know, we just need to go and support everyone. Uh, we just need to get there and anyone who's participating, we need to support them because at the end of the day, it's it's sport. Uh, the biggest winner at the end of the day is going to be sport. So we must support anyone who will make us grow as a fraternity, as a sporting, as a sporting family. Ms. Khan, thanks for your time. Well noted that the biggest winner is in fact sport. Let's wish all the teams out there the best of luck. So break a leg, just not literally. I'm sure each team will do their best to show good sportsmanship because, I mean, the web is full of these moments, you know, when competitors help their contenders, sacrificing their advantage. And it's an absolutely beautiful demonstration of humanity. As for our listeners, remember that you can always listen to the AfroVerdict podcast on various platforms like Podcast Addicts, Pocket Cast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Castbox, and even AfriPods. Make sure to visit our Sputnik Africa Telegram channel, TikTok account and other socials where you'll find the most important highlights of the events occurring on the continent and around the globe. And if you're not a fan of tapping links and opening new tabs and all of that on your device, feel free to download the Sputnik Africa application. It will save you plenty of time and effort, trust me. That's that for today, dear listeners. And yeah, I will see you next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.